you to um, take your connection card out of your uh, program and uh, take a minute and fill that out. It's a white and tan card here. I'm going to slide this back. Oh, thank you. Um, a white and tan card, and that would be a great way for us to get in uh, uh, touch with you today, uh, this week and welcome you to the church if you're a visitor. Or if you're a regular attender, this would uh, give us an opportunity to uh, find out a little bit about what is going on in your life. So please feel free to leave us a prayer request or a praise report. And uh, if you want to request some information or sign up for the uh, Women's Ministry City Walk, there's a check-off box on the back of that as well. So uh, please take a minute and do that. As you do, I, I have some sad uh, church family news that I want to make you uh, aware of this, this morning. Mr. Kamatsu, uh, who was a regular attender in our, in our Nichigo service and the Japanese-speaking service, but who is the father of several members of our uh, church service here, father of Shugo, who was our youth director, and Susie, and Sheen, and Kay, and Kyoti, all active uh, members of our church, passed away earlier this week in a uh, sudden and unexpected accident in their swimming pool at home. And so I would ask that you please keep the family in your prayers and seek to support them as we think about uh, the family members that are affected in our uh, congregation. All of them are young adults in their 20s, and, and I am sure that this will be a challenging time, and so may we rally around them and really support them and to pray for them and to love them, and may God strengthen them to trust in Him during this time. So God bless you guys, and we will keep you in our prayers. Uh, there will be a memorial service here at the church, and when the information is available for that, we will pass that along uh, to you. In terms of other announcements, first of all, I want to uh, welcome uh, Charlene uh, Kiabu. Charlene, you want to stand up? Where's Charlene is one of our missionaries that we uh, support. She lives in Orlando, Florida, and has been working uh, with the Jesus Film Project of Campus Crusade and has been traveling around the world, especially to, to some pretty high-risk areas, a lot of Muslim countries, and sharing the gospel through means of video or audio around the Jesus Film Project. And so it's a joy to have her with us today. She's going to stay for lunch if you want to touch base with her and find out more about what God is doing in uh, her life and in her mission's uh, work, please feel free to say hello. Next week, just to give you a heads up, next week, uh, Roy and Nancy Toma, who are an, uh, another missionary couple that we support, will be here at our church. They won't be speaking in the service, but they will be addressing, uh, they will have a question and answer time at 9.15 in the social hall so during the Sunday school hour, uh, if you would like to hear more about what they, what they are doing and what God has been doing through them, uh, please, please keep that in mind. And then also one more, since we're on the, on the theme of announcing missionaries, uh, David and G. Katani, who are missionaries in West L.A., will be visiting us on October 28th. So those are some of the um, announcements that I might highlight this morning. 
Today, after service at 1230, harvesters are having their elder law seminar here in the sanctuary. This Saturday, or no, a a week from this Saturday is the women's ministry, historic L.A. walk. Uh, Please sign up for that. West Coast Showcase is coming up into this month, but the auditions are two weeks from today. And so uh, if you want to be a part of the West Coast Showcase, which is a talent show, a lot of fun. I'm going to actually try to get a group together. It'll be a, it'll be a good time. So those are uh, announcements for us today. A few weeks ago, I was, uh, Chelsea and I went out to eat. We took the kids out for pizza uh, on a Sunday night. It was a little bit later, and it was starting to cool out off, so we ate uh, dinner outside, at the, outside this pizza place. And uh, I kept noticing, just walking up and down the sidewalks, people are walking around on their phones, Kind of like this. Some of you know what I'm talking about already. I, want, I, was, I said to Chelsea, what is going on? Why are everybody walking around looking at their phones like this? Chelsea said it's what? Pokemon Go, right? Pokemon Go is all the craze. I, uh, met, with the, I met with the youth group last night, and I had them t- uh, write down on their balloons. I had them blow up balloons. A, a big balloon for how much you think about stuff a lot and a small balloon, if you just think about it a little bit, then write it on there. I think the biggest balloon we had taped to the wall was Pokemon Go. Now, just to catch you up, in in case I I need to get you up to speed, because I'm not a big Pokemon Go uh, fan either. In fact, I don't know. So I'm getting this secondhand. Hopefully I get the information right. On your phone, on your cell phone, Using its GPS and its camera, people go around and they, they are following these uh, clues on their, on, their, uh, on their camera and they locate these Pokemon characters. And the more you collect, you advance these levels and, and it's a lot of fun. And did you know that West Covina Christian Church is a Poke Station? This is a Poke Spot, right? Uh, I don't know how we became a pokey spot. Is there anyone here that walked into church this morning looking for Pokemon, discovered we were having a church service? So much for that evangelism strategy, right? But uh, you're here anyway, so we might as well uh, talk about what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, Pokemon Go, some things, some things are worth giving a lot of time and attention to, right, over... Uh, over a long period of time. Pokemon Go is probably not one of those things. Now, uh, it's a lot of fun, and, uh, but it's, it's a craze that will go and co- will, will come and go. And, and if you're still really into Pokemon Go five years from now, you've probably got a problem, okay? But, uh, but there are some things that are actually worth us giving a lot of attention to. And this morning we're talking about perseverance. These things that we're going to give a lot of attention to over a long period of time. We've referenced uh, through this sermon series, Eugene Peterson's book on the Songs of Ascent. As we go through this sermon series this summer on the Songs of Ascent in in, uh, Psalms. The name of his book is A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. It's a great title for. Uh, it's a great title that communicates this idea of perseverance. Spiritual perseverance is a long obedience 
in the same direction. And so there's a lot of things that uh, deserve our time and attention uh, for a long time. You think about school, think about work, think about family, marriage, friends, church. These are things that, that it would be good to persevere in. And probably most importantly, we think about our relationship with God and faith. Now, a lot of these things that we talk about when we think about perseverance can be measured fairly easily. We think about school dropout rates, work turnover rates, divorce statistics, church attendance numbers. And I recently saw some statistics that would relate to people's perseverance in faith that I thought were pretty interesting. The fastest growing religion, according to this study, in America are the nuns. Not N-U-N-S, like Catholic women with black robes and habits. But uh, N-O-N-E-S. The fastest growing uh, religion in America are those that have no religious affiliation at all. There are more and more people choosing, consciously choosing, not to persevere in faith. Could be for a number of reasons. Maybe it's not popular in today's society. Maybe uh, it feels irrelevant for their everyday lives. Maybe it seems too difficult or too oppressive for how they want to live. Whatever the reasons, there are people, there are more and more people uh, choosing not to persevere in their faith. And so in today's sermon on perseverance, I want to address some of these concerns that I just mentioned uh, by asking three questions. First of all, why is spiritual perseverance so hard? Secondly, what are the benefits of spiritual perseverance? And then thirdly, how can I persevere in my faith? How can I persevere? So to answer these three questions, we're going to look at Psalm 129. Psalm 129 is a song of ascent. We're going through a sermon series this morning, or through this summer, through the songs of ascent, which are Psalms 120 to 134. And in these uh, 15 psalms that the Israelites would have sung as they made their way to Israel, to worship God three times a year, they would go to Israel. They would sing each of these songs. And so they would help them prepare their hearts for worship. But more more than that, they would help the Israelites to prepare to live for God in all of their lives. And so that's why we are looking at this as well. I think it helps us to have our lives transformed to live for God in all areas of our lives. And I think that will be abundantly clear as we think about this idea of perseverance. Let's look at Psalm 129. Many a time have they afflicted me since my youth. Let Israel declare, many a time they have afflicted me since my youth. Yet they could not defeat me. On my back plowmen plowed, making long furrows. But the Lord is loyal He has cut off the yoke of the wicked. All who hate Zion will be put to shame and repulsed. They will be like grass on the roofs, which withers before it can shoot up, which cannot fill the reaper's palm nor the sheaf bearer's robe fold. And the the passers-by do not say, The Lord's blessing rests upon you, but we bless you 
in the Lord's name. Let's pray. Father God, as we uh, prepare to look at this passage together and to think about spiritual perseverance, God, it does, uh, it does weigh heavy upon us to know that it is sometimes difficult to persevere in our faith. And as we look at the world and the culture around us, we realize that it seems to be becoming more and more difficult. And so we pray that you would come and to be our teacher now, to guide us as we look at your word, to speak to us and impress upon us your truth so that we might receive from you what you would have for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As so many of these songs of ascent, there is kind of a history behind it. These are, these are songs for the nation of Israel. And so they have, a, they have kind of some background information. And uh, there is some history embedded in them. And we can begin to see some of that here in the first couple verses of Psalm 129. It says, Many a time they have afflicted me since my youth. Let Israel declare, Many a time they have afflicted me since my youth, yet they could not defeat me. And so this, uh, this psalm describes this affliction. Israel had a lot of affliction in their history. And with some of, the, some of the big events that quickly come to mind are we think of their slavery in Egypt. And then after they left Egypt for 40 years, they wandered in the desert, in the, in the wilderness. And as they entered the promised land, all of these wars and these battles that they were involved in, and as they established themselves as a nation, more times than not, they had a bad king ruling over them. And so we get this picture of all of these afflictions uh, in, Israel, in Israel's history. And they begin, to si- they begin to sing, God, we've been kicked around long enough. We've been kicked around since our youth. And just to, just to drive it home, here they repeat it. Let all, Israel, uh, let all Israel sing together and declare, we've been kicked around since our youth. And yet at the end of verse 2, here is the first sign of perseverance. But they, uh, yet they could not defeat me. But they have not gained victory over me. If we were to put this in contemporary language, we might say, they kept on punching me, but I kept bouncing back. They're not going to keep me down. It's kind of a song you could hear on your pop radio station on your way home from church today. They're not going to keep me down. It's a song of perseverance. It reminds me of, did, did any of you have this little uh, toy when you were a kid? You know, it's like that punching bag. I've got a six-year-old uh, son at home. This is the type of toy he would love. You punch it, and it pops right back up. It's weighted on the bottom, and you punch it, and it keeps popping right back up. It's a toy of perseverance. And as Christians, we need perseverance as well because uh, all of us know that life throws pu- plenty of punches right back at us. And so the first question we're going to ask of our passage today is, why is perseverance so hard? In other words, what are these punches that are being thrown at us that we have to persevere through? The first is given here in verse 3. On my back, plowmen plowed, making long furrows. It's a pretty vivid image, this plow that's being raked across someone's back and it's causing these deep cuts. We might call it 
uh, deep, the deep wounds that we experience in our lives. Aaron was uh, gracious enough and honest enough to share with us uh, some of these uh, wounds that she's experienced in her, her own life and things that she is currently experiencing. And we think of the Kamatsus and we think of all of the people in our church and I know some of us are in the midst of this right now. We feel, we, we resonate with this passage as we think about, man, there are deep, it feels like there are deep cuts uh, taking place all over my life. These, this idea of the plow going through my back. It's deep wounds that cause real heartache. It could be emotional. It could be physical. It could be spiritual. But we think of these things that have taken place in our lives and these images uh, begin to come, these, uh, these experiences begin to come to mind. I grew up on a farm and so I can resonate with this idea of the plow and uh, the soil being dug up. In fact, farmers don't plow anymore. It causes too much erosion because the because the plow would go too deep in the ground and turn up too much soil and so they've come up with all kinds of other things but the plow would cause the deepest uh would cause the deepest cuts in the ground and this is the idea that is being presented here the first couple i ever uh counseled for marriage counseling in my first church was they were a fairly young couple and I began to, they began to come to me, and I met with them several times, and we, were, we would talk about all of the experiences that they were going through, a lot of difficult experiences in their lives, just stuff that they brought into the marriage before they were together, and then stuff they were experiencing at that time. And I grieved right along with them. And I wish this story had a happy ending, but in fact, after a long period of time, they de- decided to get a divorce and both of them walked away from the faith. Neither of them are following the Lord to this, uh, uh, today. And this is why spiritual perseverance is so hard because these wounds can drive us away from the Lord. Now sometimes these wounds can drive us towards God and that's what I want to encourage us today. But sometimes in the midst of these challenges, we can, uh, we can wrestle with, is God really good? Or in the midst of the depression or the heartache, it can cause us just to want to back away from anything of faith. And so when we think about why is spiritual perseverance so hard, we think about deep wounds. The second thing we might uh, see here is found in verse 5. It says, all who hate Zion will be put to shame and repulsed. The psalmist describes the people of Israel here uh, as being hated simply because they were Israelites, simply because of their faith. And the same is true today. There will be people who do not like you or at least do not like your faith simply because you are a Christian. And so the second reason we might call from this passage, we might just say the second challenge towards spiritual perseverance is public opinion. And this is, sometimes public opinion can weigh heavy upon us. This can be some of the affliction that this psalm is talking about. And it doesn't even have to be hostile. You're talking with friends or neighbors or co-workers or whatever, and you're discussing things that relate to your faith. And if you are in the minority... 
and most people believe something different, it is easy to kind of shrink away from standing up boldly for what you really believe. Spiritual perseverance is hard. And then sometimes the opposition is more overt. And it is, and it is really difficult. And we get ridiculed or put down. Even uh, looked at really funny, like you actually believe that kind of stuff? Look at us like we got our hair on fire. Now that phrase, you got your hair on fire, is kind of a funny phrase, right? I actually literally have had my hair on fire. And uh, I'll tell you this story because, believe it or not, it kind of relates to the sermon, okay? Um, I took a welding class one time because I wanted to learn how to weld, And uh, I don't know what I was going to do with this skill, but I wanted to learn how to weld. And so I took this class, and uh, and as you're these kind of interactive classes, you get to know people pretty well. And over the course of the class, uh, the people that were in the class found out I was a Christian. Now you can imagine the type of people that would take a welding class, kind of rough characters, right? Well. Uh, you know, I, I thought about that. I was, I was thinking, well, should I say they're rough characters? Because that actually might not be, uh, that might be a stereotype that's not necessarily true. But that's how I interpret them because this was my experience. So they found out I was a Christian and they uh, started calling me a Jesus freak. And the first, only time I think I've, in my life that I've ever really been called a, a name for my faith. But here I was known in the class as the Jesus freak. Now one day I'm chipping off the dross on the top of my welding bead and uh, I have my helmet up. I'm looking at, see if I made a good uh, bead and some of the debris came up, the hot debris, ricocheted off the front of my helmet and landed on my hair. And I didn't even realize it, but it really, it smelled really bad until all of a sudden I realized my hair is on fire. Threw my helmet off and stuck my head in a bucket of water. And then they really looked at me weird. Because not only was I the Jesus freak, but I was the only one that had a bald spot right in the middle of their hair. Now we think about this idea of uh, standing up for our boldly and our, for our faith. And I look at the world around us, and to be honest, I see a lot of shifts in our culture today. I think spiritual perseverance is going to be required of us more and more as we, uh, as we live as Christians in America today. I think uh, what used to maybe be in generations past, the common uh, values and beliefs in our country, which were fairly Christian, are not so Christian anymore. And in fact, I think the culture is shifting pretty uh, pretty significantly, fairly quickly. And I've talked to young adults in our church, and I've, I've said, you know what? I think what we see happening in our world today, Christianity is going to look a lot different in even five years from now. Cult- cultural Christianity, what takes place in, in our churches on a Sunday morning, and, what, and how we live out our faith in a uh, on an everyday basis throughout the week. Now, part of me is excited about this, actually, because I think nominal Christianity is going to die away pretty quickly. As I said, more and more people claim their uh, religious affiliation as none, and I think less and less people will just call themselves Christians but don't live like Jesus at all. 
I think more and more people will be forced to make a decision, am I really a follower of Christ or am I not? Do I actually do the things that Jesus taught and did? Will I look like him or do I just kind of call this, uh, this thing of faith uh, just kind of a, a fringe issue in my life? I'll take it or leave it. I think we will see less and less of that. And for that reason, I'm excited. But at the same time, I know that spiritual perseverance will be required of us. It will not be so easy to be a Christian. And so it is... Up to, it, is, it takes an honest looking at our lives and to say, am I willing to count the cost? Am I willing to, as Jesus said, pick up my cross and to follow him, deny myself, and to give my life to the Lord? I think this idea of, public, of standing in the face of public opinion will be, will be required of us more and more. It is, it is difficult to persevere spiritually. So that might lead us to the second question we would ask this morning. If it's so difficult, why would we do it? What are the benefits? Verse 4 says, the Lord, But the Lord is loyal. He has cut off the yoke of the wicked. The first thing that, I would, uh, that comes to mind when I think about the benefits of spiritual perseverance is that we come to know the faithfulness of God. We come to really know God's salvation. If it's not so easy to follow God and it takes real, uh, and it takes real boldness, then we need to come to know that God is truly a God that loves us and that is faithful to us. It says here that God is loyal In other words, that God is a faithful and loyal God who will not abandon us, who will will fulfill his promises to us. And I know that in the midst of affliction, in the midst of hard times, it is sometimes difficult to actually believe that. But this is the truth that uh, God's word presents here in this passage, that the Lord is loyal. And I would challenge us to trust in God's faithfulness. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. So this passage talks about the faithfulness, the loyalty of God that he will uh, see us through. And the way that it describes this is it says that he has cut off the yoke of the wicked. It goes back to this uh, imagery of the plow being pulled by, uh, the plow that is cutting across our back being pulled by these oxen. And the oxen are tied to the plow by the yoke. And this passage says that God has broken the yoke. Here is the gospel, that God has broken the yoke. What are the, what is, what are the things that he has broken? Well, first of all, he has given us freedom from injustices done against us. This ties back into the idea of the deep wounds. He has given us freedom from injustices done against us and actually freedom from the sins that we have done ourselves. That God is our healer and that he is our savior. I'll never forget the first time I saw the movie The Passion of the Christ. How many of you have seen The Passion of the Christ? Large majority of you. Yeah, do you remember this movie? It's, it's, a, it's obviously hard to forget. And I remember I actually had a hard time in the theater 
when Jesus was uh, draped over that rock and they had the whip with the glass and the, and, the, and the stone and the end of it and they are again and again whipping this cord across Jesus' back. It's like this idea of the, very, in a literal physical sense of the cuts going across his back. And the only way I could sit in the theater is I kept repeating to myself, he's doing this for me. He's doing this for me. And that's the truth. That Jesus was beaten and crucified on the cross so that we could be given freedom. Freedom from sins, freedoms from injustice, so that our lives could be healed. And he has experienced all all the afflictions that we could even imagine in our own lives. We think about emotional afflictions and relational afflictions and and spiritual afflictions. On the night when Jesus was crucified, on the night when he was betrayed, all of his followers left him, right? All of his friends abandoned him. When we think of the relational hardships in our lives, Jesus can relate. When we think about the physical hardships in our lives, we remember that Jesus suffered physically himself. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest, speaking of Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. He has experienced everything that we have experienced, and yet here's the one difference, yet was without sin. Let us then, let us therefore approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So when we think of all the things that we have gone through, here is, here is an invitation from Jesus to approach the throne of grace with confidence, to turn to him, to pray to him, so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in, a, in our time of need. The second freedom that we could uh, make note of is freedom not only from injustices done against us, but also freedom from the opinions of others. Turn with me, uh, look again at verse 5. All those who hate Zion will be put to shame. Here's this opinions of others. They will, the, the psalmist goes on to say, be like grass on the roofs, which withers before it can shoot up which uh, cannot fill the reaper's palm nor the sheaf bearer's robe fold. So in other words, the opinions that others have of us or towards us, they simply will not affect us. Why? Because we've got a different kind of soil in our hearts. We don't concern ourselves with what other people think of us, but rather what God thinks of us. It says that the soil of their opinions is so thin that the grass will come up in the morning and it will be withered away before the noonday sun arises. I think we can relate to this analogy here in California of dead grass, right? Uh, We've been in a drought for a long time and a lot of people have tore out their grass and put in drought-tolerant plants and all of these things. In fact, uh, I did this at my house this past year. I uh, tore out all the grass and I put down, this is not my house, but same idea. Uh, put down, uh, I put down a, a 
gravel path like that, actually, and I put down mulch and plants and rock and all of that. And uh, it saves me a lot of money on my water bill. It's a be- okay, in my opinion, it's a better way to have your front lawn. Now, for the sake of the analogy, just assume with me, you might really love your grass, and I don't give you no pressure to tear it out. But assume with me that this is a new and better way to have a lawn. The same uh, thing could be said. To live by the opinions of others is old school. I mean, that's history. That's before we were Christians. And now we've been given a new way of living, a way that is grounded in the love of Christ. And so we might as well tear up that old grass and plant the grass of Jesus' love, of Jesus' care for us, and to let those, let those be the things that would grow up in our lives. And so these are the benefits Dallas Willard, my mentor, once said, one of the greatest burdens that will ever fall off your back is when you learn not to do anything to be seen by men. I actually have this quote in my office because this is one of the things that I need to remind myself of. One of the greatest burdens that will ever fall off your back is when you learn to not do anything to be seen by men. When you learn to let go of the opinions of others and to fix your heart and your mind on God. And this, and as I said, these are the benefits of spiritual perseverance. Our sins are forgiven by Jesus' death on the cross. Pain that we've experienced is healed by Jesus' love towards us, and we've been given a new way of living life, a way that is grounded in God's love. It's a way that is far better to live than to concern ourselves with the cares of the world, all these other ways. And so lastly, the last question I would bring before us today is, how can, we, how can I persevere in my faith? As I said, uh, perseverance is a long obedience in the same direction. In other words, we consistently do the same things over and over again, the same acts of obedience. And over time, it helps transform us to become able to do what we cannot do today in our own strength. As Aaron said in her testimony, this is not something we actually can do of our own. It's a gift of God. And so, uh, but God uses all of these things that if we constantly come before him, he begins to use these things, his presence in our lives, to transform us. This week we will meet a lot of athletes around the world who have trained for a long time, persevered in their training, because the Olympic Games start this week, right? Any of you like Olympics? Thursday night is opening ceremonies. I'm amazed at these athletes that spend four years training for one event. Uh, In light of this, I thought I would read to you a letter that I received in the mail. Kind of an exciting letter, okay? Let me read uh, the uh, list to you. Mr. Corey Winnell, as the official organizing committee for the Olympics, we are excited about this year's upcoming Olympic Games in Rio. While it might seem a long ways away, it is critical for us, as the governing body overseeing the United States Olympic athletes, to begin to prepare for the 2020 Olympic Games. After having conducted an in-depth nationwide search based on scientific information such as genetic history and body composition, 
it has been determined that you have the potential to re, uh, represent the United States of America in 2020 as our official marathon runner. Now, we'll see where I'm going with this, all right? It is important that you begin to train immediately so that you will be prepared to compete in the 2020 Olympic Games. Please contact us for more information about how we might, have, uh, be, we might be able to assist you in your training. Sincerely, the United States Olympics Committee. So, these are, so I might begin to train for the Olympics in four years. Here's our current Olympic runners. Okay, the first one, these were the, uh, the LA Marathon was the uh, qualifying Olympic race this year. Did you know that? Uh, these, uh, so the top American was Amy Cragg, ran the marathon in two hours and 28 minutes. Top American male runner was Galen Rupp, two hours and 11 minutes. And I also ran this marathon. So here, Corey Winnell, t- uh, f- <laughs> four hours and 52 minutes. I've got a long ways to go, okay? But it's exciting. I got a letter, right? It says I got potential. Now, in case you haven't figured this out, this is a joke. I don't really, they haven't identified me. I, I'd, be a lo- I'd have a long, long ways to go. It's like three hours faster than what I can uh, run it. But let's say you got a letter like that. And you, it would change the way you lived right away, right? You'd begin to exercise more. You'd begin to eat differently. You'd begin to probably have different sleep patterns. But different habits would develop in your life because all of a sudden you got potential. Well, here's what I want to present to us today. Spiritually speaking, now the marathon's kind of a, obviously not realistic for the large majority of us. But spiritually speaking, all of us have tremendous potential in terms of our spiritual lives. So I've written another letter for all of us. Dear West Covina Christian Church attender, as your heavenly father, I know that you have potential to live like my son Jesus. You can live a life full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Isn't that a beautiful picture of the life that we would live? You can live that kind of life. This is actual reality. In fact, this is the life I've created you to live and desire for you. But this life will not be grasped easily. It takes spiritual perseverance and training. I have sent my Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to help and coach you. I give you my word, the Bible, and this church as well as help. Please contact me through prayer so that I might assist you in your training. Sincerely, God. Now that's an, that to me, amen. To me, that's an exciting letter. Because that is the truth. This isn't some hypothetical. Jesus has created us to live this kind of life. An abundant life full of love and joy and peace. 
Now, that doesn't mean there won't be suffering and hardship. In fact, part of the training process will not be fun. But as the verse uh, that Aaron read says, suffering gives birth to perseverance, which gives birth to hope, which gives birth to the love of God being poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit given to us. That is the promise that God has given us his Holy Spirit so that by real effort we can become more and more like Jesus. So what are the habits that you're going to develop? Or what are some of the things that you might uh, embrace? I think they're all habits that revolve around spending time with God. Maybe you would determine this morning that you would spend time in God's Word, reading through the Bible. Reading, maybe you start with the New Testament and you say, every day I'm going to develop this habit of spending time in God's Word. Or maybe you say, I'm going to develop the habit of praying in the morning. Or maybe I'm going to develop the habit of coming to church 15 minutes before the service starts so that I can just prepare my heart, sit here in quiet, and when the worship starts, I am ready to enter into the presence of God and really worship God. Or maybe you'd say, I'm going to develop the habit of taking a walk each night when it gets cool and simply for the purpose of spending time with Jesus. Maybe you're going to develop the habit of listening to worship music. You're going to buy some worship CDs and listen to them on your way to work or on your way home from work. We could just make a whole long list. But to become like Jesus will not happen just automatically. Any more than sitting on your couch watching TV at night will help you to become a good marathon runner. Sitting at home on your couch at night watching TV is not going to help you become like Jesus. It takes real effort, real, and it takes especially time spent with Jesus. But when we spend time with Jesus, we begin to actually look a lot like him. And that is the promise of spiritual perseverance. Our world is increasingly so becoming a place that is more and more difficult to pers- uh, spiritually persevere but may we make up in our, heart, in our minds and in our heart of hearts that this is the type of life that we want to live. This is the best life possible, a life that is lived with and for Jesus. And so may we uh, seek to spend time with him. Let me pray. Father God, as we have gathered here this morning, we, are, we, are, we know we're not ignorant of the fact that there are Many here that are going through that time of affliction. That this is not an easy or um, season of life. And I pray that they would come to know you as loyal and faithful. That their lives would be grounded in the deep soil of your love for them. And that you would help them to trust in you and to look to you. And God, I pray that for all of us, that you would give us spiritual perseverance, that our lives would center around activities that would draw us close to yourself because we have confidence that you have a plan for our lives. And so God, I pray that you would draw us close to yourself and help us to be a church that is is full of support and love towards one another. I know that there are people that used to come to church every week that we don't see very regularly anymore. And maybe their spiritual perseverance is is, uh, not strong right now. And I pray that you would burden us to come alongside of them 
and to encourage them in their faith so that they might pursue God with all of their hearts, so they, they might pursue you with all of their hearts. And so, God, we lift up all of these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen.